1: $55 million isn't you money. It's everybody you've ever
0: known money. Nice. How are you? Hey. What are you doing? They just saw We just sold the house. Wow. <laughs> oh. That's it.
1: Seriously? Mm-hmm.
0: Deal. G6, baby. The G6. <laughs> so you going to find me like G6, the on G6, baby. The fact that I have the perfect bottle of Dom chilling. Best moment ever. Is it's it 2012? You know, I didn't like the ten. Eight, nine, ten. No, the ten wasn't good. Well, kids, yeah. you guys are moving. Yeah, we're gonna find you a home. Life-changing. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for yeah. that. Cheers. We'll see you guys. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from this week's Real Housewives of Orange County. The DeBros have sold their house. <laughs> And I've never been more upset watching that one minute of television when they got the contract signed, the paperwork signed for selling the $55 million house. I've had enough. i It brought out a demon in me that I haven't seen in quite some time. It was the demon of Eileen Davidson. And every time that Terry Dubrow said G6 or did his Austin Powers, yeah, baby, or Heather was talking about the Dom Perignon they had, the demon of Eileen Davidson came out of me and I said, shut up. I was so upset. It was just hard to watch. And look, I like Heather and Terry for this show. But watching them just be so braggadocious and uh, celebrating their $55 million sale, it just was a bridge too far for me. I could not do it. I was getting so upset at the two of them. And again, Terry's just, yeah, baby. And then he was saying, G6, G6 to the kids. And I'm like, ugh. Hate to say it, but electric chair. Cause I cannot hear Terry Dubrow say G6 one more fucking time on this show because I was so upset bragging about $55 million house. We don't, it's too much. And I like to see the wealth on display, but I don't know that I need to know the numbers because once I heard the $55 million number, I, uh, it just put me over the edge. And then we're hearing Heather. So let's break down the sale. So in the episode, uh, at the beginning of the episode, they're sitting around Heather and Terry are in her office. And they're in full black, like a sexless Adams family. And Heather's uh, talking about how she predicted at the New Year's Eve celebration that they were going to sell the house. And I have to talk about this for at least 45 minutes because Heather said, I predicted this on New Year's Eve. I wrote sell our house for 60 million. And then she says, I was off by five million. Now, first of all, five million is a lot to be off by. It's like five million is a lot of money to just be off by. So you weren't so close, Heather DeBro. You weren't so close. I wouldn't put my money on her. If she was working at an amusement park or a carnival, guessing people's ages, and she was off by five, uh, the person would get a prize, which, by the way, do you hear me talk about that for a couple of minutes? Because did you ever go to the amusement park back in the 90s? And they would have one of those people set up. I remember I used to go to Joggle Lake in Solon, Ohio, and they would have it set up where you'd go and you'd pay the person money, the carnival workers money, and then they would have to guess your birth date or your weight, your weight. Imagine paying someone to guess your weight. I don't even want to step on the fucking scale at the doctor's office, let alone go to an amusement park where you're already sweating out the wazoo, sweating your ass off, and then you're going to step on a scale in front of your friends and have some carnival worker guess your weight. Uh Uh-uh, no, ma'am. Even at a young age, I knew that was not right. I'm sorry. Sorry to say it, but it's a ridiculous thing, and I don't know if they still do it at carnivals or amusement parks anywhere, but they need to cool it because that is there's nothing more humiliating, especially I was considered a chunky kid. Uh, I was described as chunky oftentimes. And so uh, getting on a scale in front of my buddies and people would always be like, let's go try to fool them so we could win a prize. And I'm like, I'm not interested in fooling nobody. I don't even want to get on that fucking scale. And you're going to, or guess a birth date. I don't, nobody needs to know my age. Forget it. Anyway, the point is, Heather would have been so off by $5 million, the person would have left with a prize. But I do have some questions about this New Year's Eve celebration. What were you just writing down things? I understand resolutions, but that doesn't sound like a resolution. It sounds like you just wrote down that you're going to sell. It was a prediction. So do do people write down predictions for New Year's Eve? Maybe that's a tradition I'm just not aware of, because otherwise you write down on the resolution, like, I will not go to a carnival worker to guess my age, right? Like that'd be a resolution for 2024, something like that. Or I'm going to clean the house more, or I'm going to, I don't know, get my shit together. That's a resolution. But she was just writing down on a note that she's going to sell the house for 60 million. And by the way, is that secreting something into existence? Maybe I need to write down that I'm going to sell my fucking house for $60 million. And then if we're off by 5 million, so be it. I'll still get $55 million. But I don't understand whether this was a game or what. It's also revealed that this is the third highest sale in the history of Orange County. They have to be out in three weeks. They're not telling anybody. Uh, somebody says, have you started packing yet? And they're like, no. And I was like, yeah, because you'll probably just have somebody else do it. It's not like you guys are going to do it. But the Altman is the realtors. And so they sit down with this sexless Adams family, and they say, uh, we, we are hoping for the sale to go through. And then they say goodbye. And then they Seemingly put production down. Production says, hold on a minute. And then the Altman people, the realtors, come back. And they're like, oh, guess what? We just got the paperwork. And that's when Terry goes in and says, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Ugh. Shut up! So mad at him. Anyway, so that's when it goes on. And I thought that was kind of staged. Because I thought, when not Heather Dubrow have walked the Altman people to the door I mean, she just was like, okay, we'll see you later. Walk yourselves out. And I was like, that's a big-ass house. I just feel like Heather would have walked him to the door. And maybe I am just – got my uh, conspiracy theory thing happening because I really believe that that was staged. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But yeah, they have the 2012 – she don't like the 2010 champagne. It all just feels so gross. I, and by the way, every time we cut to somebody else after hearing about that $55 million sale, I felt like everybody else's houses, and you might as well have been showing me people live in a garage or a shanty because then we suddenly uh, connect with Taylor Armstrong and she's in her house, a beautiful little house. Not even little, it looks like a beautiful, huge house. She's calling everybody on the phone to invite them to this nice little quaint fall festival. And it's such a jarring transition from going to this... $55 million sale to literally anybody else's house. And just seeing like homemade, I mean, the other gals on the show have like Home Goods Halloween decorations up, which I recognize because my whole place is decorated in Home Goods Halloween decorations. That's right. I did it early. I know it's not Labor Day yet, but I did put my Halloween decorations out. So be it. Sue me. It's been a rough summer. Uh, but the point is, I'm recognizing all these TJ Maxx. Taylor Armstrong looks like a Maxonista to me. No shade in that. Proud to be it. However, it's such a jarring – got to get my bearings every time they cut to somebody else because Heather Dubrow in all black sitting at the $55 million house talking about the sale and celebrating with the 2012 champagne and Terry yelling G6 100 goddamn times, it makes everybody else seem like, what show are we on? It's like you suddenly switch to TLC. I'm like, am I watching TLC? Is this Bravo? Because I went from one extreme – to literally anybody else's. But again, it's not the other gals' faults. It's just that who can keep up with a $55 million house? I mean, uh, craziness, craziness, craziness. I'm sorry to just keep dragging the DeBros, but God, they really pissed me. <laughs> they really pissed me off with that $55 million sale. And look, if I were selling someplace for a $55 million house, I'd probably be in front of a, a red light bragging about it too, because I'd be like, wow, I got $55 million. But it's just, I don't know, something, it didn't feel good to me. It didn't feel good to me watching it. So it is what it is. Anyway, Taylor Armstrong, she does invite everyone to carve some pumpkins. She says, let's try not to stab each other with the carving tools. And I was settling in because, again, I'm in fall mode. And so I just was feeling really good about the fact that we're going to have pumpkins and some carving. And I do feel like Taylor was like in her element because although she's a friend of this season, she has been around for a lot of the group events, but seeing her at her home and filming just with her calling the other women and saying, Come to this event, I think that was the first time although we did film in the house when she was auditioning for that movie, which I still have so many questions about. Let's get back to the IMDb of it all, ladies and my right. But uh we so we did see her there. But this was her first, like, solo filming, I believe, at her house. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Either way, I just felt like Taylor Armstrong was probably so happy to be back in her element. After all these years and just calling up the gals and saying, come to my uh, fall event. Come to my fall event. Um, Anyway, meanwhile, uh, Hip and Casita were at the motorcycle shop. That's right, because Hip is going to be taking motorcycle classes. Now, I'm very scared about this. I want her to be careful. We She just had the hip thing. And so we don't need another hip going bad. I mean, we don't need... We got to be careful on their hip. Be careful on that bike. I'm just looking out. I Motorcycles make me nervous. They make me scared. I have not ridden on a motorcycle before, so what do I know? I am happy she's doing a course on it. It seems like there's something that's being cut. I feel like there was more to the motorcycle story than we're actually getting because there was some weird flashback where we also saw Tamara riding around on a motorcycle or something. I mean, I could barely ride one of those scooters here in LA. We have those scooters, and uh, you could just pick them up around the neighborhoods. They just have these scooters, and you can do it on your phone to pay it or to make it go. Uh, and I tried to do it once, and I literally fell over. You guys know, longtime listeners of the podcast know when that new Adele song came out. I was just walking down the street at a slow pace, uh, listening to an Adele ballad, and I fell, and that's when I tore my rotator cuff. I mean, it's not—I'm not safe. So let alone a motorcycle, I certainly am not hopping on those two wheels. Uh, The only um, wheels I'm hopping on are rollerblades or roller skates. That's it. That's all I can handle. Anyway, uh, I am happy she's doing the class. And Casita's pissed because Shanna was mentioning the Child Protective Services, which she lies later about mentioning the Child Protective Services. She's like, I never said that. And then the brilliant editors just keep flashing back to it. I feel like they flash back to that a million times of Shannon just being like, yeah, then Child's Protective Services might have had to come. And they kept doing it. They just kept throwing Shannon under the motherfucking bus. I do believe that production hates Shannon. Just uh, just anecdotally, just reading between the lines, I do feel that they're probably exhausted by her. But yet they know she makes good TV. So, you know, they're doing it for us. And so that I'm grateful for. But I believe that they hate her. Okay, Shannon... Uh meanwhile, with the guy what's I, I can't remember that man's name, John Joe, Jack, John, remember when she was on that boat She was like thought it was him and' or the son, and the son was Jack, one's John, one's Joe, uh Joe, is that you, Joe, John? That was her on that fucking boat anyway, we see the scene with her and him in there uh in the house. She's got the home goods Halloween decor going around. She's also got a counter full of eight one eight tequila now. Maybe we should put that tequila away. Maybe we should put it away, Shannon, because it seems like everyone has been saying on this show about you drinking too much at night and calling everybody up, and it just, maybe that doesn't need to be like a focal centerpiece of your kitchen island, because it didn't even feel like it was on a bar. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you remember that scene, and I know Tamara was coming over, so she probably put it out, but it was like, Tamara's one small lady, like, what... They had, like, bottles of the 818. It seemed like there was a bunch of bottles of hard liquor just centerpieced on the counter. And I thought, maybe we don't need to have it, like, displayed on the counter in the middle for one woman coming over. I mean, it wasn't like she was having Guns and Roses over to the house. It was like she had Tamara come by in the daytime, mind you. And I'm not trying to judge when people are boozing. Booze responsibly whenever the fuck you feel like it. But it just seems like maybe shouldn't be the centerpiece of your kitchen island for one person coming over in the light of day, right? One bot, And if it is going to be, maybe just put the one the one bottle out. And that seems to me like it'd be enough for the tiny lady that is Tamara Judge and Shannon Bador Storms. So it seems like maybe we should just do one, scale it back a little bit. What do I know? But maybe just seems disjointed. Anyway, Shannon said that she talked to John about all the stuff that everybody's talking about, and they decided to ignore everybody and what everybody's saying. And Shannon obviously is in—this relationship ain't good, right? She says he runs away from conflict, and Shannon loves it, and they don't talk about marriage. Fighting happens— But she said a bunch of times on the show whenever she's talking about John. She's like, we're a normal couple that's so happy. We just have fights that paralyze us. And I I just have to say that, like, yes, fighting happens, right? In long-term relationships, you're going to have arguments. But I don't know that they should be arguments that paralyze you, right? Like, Matt and I have been together. We're going on 14 years now, coming up in March. And we've certainly had it out. We just had a fight the other night. He was saying he didn't like a movie, and I thought he was saying a Mandy Moore movie, but he was saying a Michael Moore movie. And so we got in a big fight because I thought he was insulting the filmography of Mandy Moore, and I was not having it. And so we started getting an argument, and then come to realize, so that's, I I'd suppose that's the closest him and I have gotten to being in a paralyzed argument when I thought he was insulting the filmography of Mandy Moore, when in fact it was actually a movie by Michael Moore, which I hadn't even seen. Don't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> Not interested in watching that, but I will watch Mandy Moore Saved, or I will watch uh, her perform Only Hope and Walk to Remember any time of the goddamn week. So that is a fight that we have, and the closest, I'd say, to a paralyzing argument. Um, but Shannon says that every time they argue, they're getting in a paralyzing argument, and that's just troublesome, especially in the beginning. They're not tied down legally by paperwork or otherwise, and so I just would i would caution her. Cautioner, get out of there Storm on out Because you should not be in this relationship You should not be in with this man Again, don't know Jack John Whatever the fuck his name is It's just maybe someone that you should just get away from Tamara, meanwhile She does reveal that she's in a little bit of a sex dry spell So she asked Shannon about Do they do toys? She's like, do you use toys? And then they just sort of cut it out So then it comes up again when they're at that I think her and Eddie were at What was it? Oh, they were at Shreds With With a Z it was a it was a gym. Should we talk about let's talk about that for a minute because actually I want to get into this before we go on our commercial break. Tamara and Eddie, they no longer have cut fitness. And so they are working out in a scene this episode at a place called Shreds. Shreds. Let me just repeat that. Shreds with a Z. S H R E D Z. Do you hear that you maybe you need to write that down? Just look at it just i want you everyone to visualize the name of this gym is called Shreds S H R E D Z which is the most OC gym name ever and perhaps it's why cut fitness didn't last because maybe cut fitness should have had some z's in it should have had cuts fitness with a C U T Z i don't know and whenever they put a z on a letter or on a, a word i love it because here's why I was raised with products that had Zs in it. So I I often, I might have mentioned this on the show before, but when I was growing up, we would get the off-brand cereal, the kind that would just disintegrate as soon as you opened it, in the bag. So instead of like Fruit Loops, it'd be like Fruits with a Z on it, Loops with a Z on it, right? So I was raised with these Zs. And so when I saw they were at this place called Shreds with a Z, again, S-H-R-E-D-Z, it may, it took me back. It took me back. And perhaps again, I hate to throw reasons out. I am not a business maven, but maybe if cut fitness would have been cut fitness with a Z, maybe it would have still been around. Maybe they could have been working out in that gym. And so it's a lesson to us all in terms of branding. Uh, just put a Z on it and maybe it'll do better. I don't know. Uh, Tamara did bring up in that gym scene though, that Heather and Terry took these Disneyland pics. They put, they literally were photographed. Buy some paparazzi at Disneyland. And Tamara's like, uh, there's no paparazzi photos at Disneyland. And she's right. There's no paparazzi. If they are there, they're following some A list people. Or there could certainly be some people at Disneyland taking photos, but these were a professional camera, right? So I think Tamara was pointing that out. Like this was a specific camera. And Tamara says, I don't care what you did in the 1900s, you're not on the A list in regards to Heather's career. And so I agree. I mean, these paparazzi photos were hysterical though. I mean, I was laughing like Heather and Terry
0: (laughs) because
1: they were just so staged, just like cuddled up because also I think when you're at Disneyland, were they there with kids? I just don't really think, hmm, how do I say this? If you're there with a loved one, it's a stressful place. There's lots going on at Disneyland. You got the fucking barbershop quartet singing your ear off in one corner Uh, You got people trying to trapse each other over to get an autograph from fucking Goofy. And it ain't so easy to walk around there. There's so many people. They let so many people in that park. And uh, I love Disneyland. Love it. However, you don't go there and just uh, cuddle up and smile. They were like hugging and he had his arms around her. The only time that would maybe happen, I think, is when you're watching like the fireworks display at nighttime. But these photos were during the day. And they look like they were right at the oh, the, the front of the park, uh, but they were daytime. And I just can't imagine being there with a significant other. And uh, I once had a mental breakdown at Disneyland, so that's uh, where I'm coming from. However, I just don't think when you're with a significant other, like it's a stressful place to be. So I just don't think that you're cuddling up unless you're maybe watching the fireworks display. Otherwise, you, you're trying to haul ass... Over to get to Space Mountain and get in that fucking line or go over to Cars Land where you gotta sign up. You know, they have that Disney fast pass now where it's like, you gotta get the fast pass. And then although they were, they're so rich, they probably had one of those like VIP tours. Don't they do that? Where it's like, they have someone walk you through the park. They probably had that. The rest of us though, we gotta wait for that, that fucking fast pass. And then it says go to Cars Land at an hour and a half. And then you go and you still gotta wait. So that's the kind of stress people are under. That's where the stress, the common folk are under at Disneyland. And so these two seeing them, you know, I'm I'm getting worked up again, just thinking about them at Disneyland with the VIP. Shut up. I'm so mad at those two. I just, I'm sorry to be so. I'm getting really aggressive about Heather and Terry and I don't mean to, but I am, uh, I am upset about it. I'm upset about it. Let's bring things down. There was a scene where Jen and Ryan were working out and they had a puppy. Ah, uh, they had a puppy. The puppy was too cute. It was just running around. And then Ryan, uh th- there was actually a lot of troublesome stuff with this Ryan. This Ryan gentleman. I do have some issues with him. Now, first of all, he there was a note on the counter in the bathroom that says, I choose to be happy today, which uh was just something to breathe in. Maybe it's just something to breathe in. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. Go back and rewatch it and just breathe that note in. Because I sort of love when people put a note on or post it on their window or a poster, or a post it on their bathroom mirror, remind them of something. But Jen had a note that says, I choose to be happy today. And so maybe that's a, a good lesson for us all. Let's choose to be happy today. But Ryan, after the workout, then got in that bathroom shower. And here's where I had a problem because the camera crew was there. And he's opening the shower door so wide. And I was just thinking the logistics of it. Like she's on the show. So she is the main cast member. And production says, we're gonna film you at home, we're gonna film you working out with the dog. But then the logistics of then filming the bathroom, like wouldn't most of us if you had a camera crew in here filming your life, wouldn't most of us say, Okay, like we're not gonna go into the bathroom with the camera crew, right? (laughs) Like maybe we keep that for just us. So not only were they letting them film in the bathroom, which I find so weird. I find it so strange. And remember Tamara and Eddie did I don't want to just blame this Jen and Ryan, because I remember a time when Tamara and Eddie got in that bathtub for a sexy scene that was uh straight out of Skinamax, and they were just hopping in the tub and filming it. And I find that it's so strange because in real life, think of the logistics of it. Like, yeah, film me. And then I'm thinking like at least Jen is still fully in her workout gear. But like Ryan was like getting in the shower, obviously wanting to show off the body. You know, he's got a fantastic body. I do want to give him that because he looks good with the blouse off. I, I can't deny it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be honest. But somebody's got to be honest. When I saw him with that top off, I thought,
0: I want to be that." That's
1: what I thought. And so he's got a gorgeous uh, a man shelf. <laughs> I meant to say chest, but man shelf works. So he's got a great man shelf when he's got the blouse off. But it was strange to me, the logistics of him getting in that shower. And then when he peeked his head out to say something to Jen, I felt like he opened the shower door way too big. I'm sorry to nitpick. That's what this show is. Some people are going to say I'm nitpicking, but that's what I'm here on this podcast to do is nitpick. And the production there, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm being tough on Jen. And I think she's fantastic addition. I don't want her to leave this show. I love her on the show. And this Ryan is very interesting for this show as well. I just don't trust him. I'm sorry, I don't, but he shopped for rings. Jen says there was somebody else, and Ryan's like, well, we were on a break. And this whole relationship timeline is weird to me. He says uh, in his confessional, which he's getting a confessional now, he says, uh, well, me and that other woman, we when we connected, he says. That's right, he said connected. And then he says the producers in his confessional, he says, let me take that back. So it was a Freudian slip. He did connect, I think, emotionally with this other woman. And the fact that he said that on camera, whether or not he meant it, even if it was just like an accidental slip, which I don't believe anything is accidental with that man. Even if it was, though, and I was Jen, I would break up with him immediately. I'd call, I'd text him. I'd text him right then and there when I saw the episode, and I'd say, guess what? We're done. We're done. We're done. Because you just don't act like that. In a confessional on camera, you're going to say, me and the other woman who we connected with, oops, take that back. No, no, sir. No, sir. Get out, get out of here. Go get somewhere else. Go get another job somewhere else. Cause you're not going to be on camera no more with me.
0: Get out, right now.
1: I'd say, get out in a text message too, by the way. That's the one time it's appropriate. I'd say break up with someone over text message. I don't get to have a conversation in person. If you do that shit on camera to me, I would text you or I'd send you like a brief email. That's how I do it. Or the, or the Carrie Bradshaw posts it. I don't give a shit. Then maybe she'd leave that note in the bathroom. Say, we're done. That's the kind of note she should leave next. It should just say, uh, guess what? We're done. I choose to be happy today, dot, 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 and we're done. So she could just use that same piece of paper she had for that other note in the bathroom. So when he's in there to take another, uh, deuce, he could just read that note and it says, we're done. And I'd say, move your shit out of the house. You're done. That's all it should be. Just get a pen. He shouldn't even need another piece of paper. Just use a pen or some lipstick or something. Just add to the note that was already in the bathroom and leave it for him on the shitter. And then he could figure it out. Move your shit. And and I'd go on a vacation and I'd say, I saw the confessional you did on camera for the show that I'm supposed to be on that you've weaseled your way on. And then you're going to say the other woman, you connect it. You're going to use the word connected. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. She needs to get some eyeliner or something, and just write on that note that was in that bathroom, so he could find it. Because I don't trust that man. Do not trust that man. Anyway, let's take our a, a break here. I want to thank Acast. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. I'm going to be on tour in October. There are still tickets available for Nashville, Cleveland, and I think uh, and San Francisco. There's a couple that they just opened up. So come see me. We're going to have a good time. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back. we're back. Okay, then we have this a little moment between Tamara and Eddie that we didn't talk about before, but I just want to mention briefly because this whole idea that they're not having or their sex life is a little bad. She says there's no porn, there's no sex toys, like what should we do? And he's like, "Well, maybe you should put on some laundry or something." And I do believe that Eddie does not want to film this show. I don't think he likes being on camera. I think he's like, "Tamara, you do this." And he does it sometimes for her, I believe. But for the most part, I think every time that Eddie is on camera, he's thinking like, "Get me the fuck out of here." Like, please. He just seems like so uninterested in being there. But that makes me like him even more, by the way. It does, doesn't it? I, it's like, I hate when the guy really like wants to be on the show. It makes me uncomfortable. So I do like Eddie more every time I see him on camera, not wanting to be there. Uh, anyway, Eddie suggests role play. And I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know if I ran out of the other room or if my sound was off or something, but I thought he said when he was referring to role play, he said something about Conan and, and maybe, maybe nobody else felt this way, but for a split second, I know he, now in retrospect, I know that he was talking about Conan the Barbarian, right? Like that was a, or he was saying something about like this fictional character. Did he say Tarzan or Conan or, I thought he said Conan. And, but for a split second, I, and maybe my brain just sometimes, you know, something goes in and it like translates it weird. And then a couple of minutes go by and you're like, oh, that's what that meant. You know, you have a little, a little moment. And so I did. I'm not proud of this. I'm not I shouldn't even say it out loud. I did think he was briefly talking about Conan O'Brien. Like I thought he meant like should we role play like I'll be Conan and like my brain again maybe just heard a different maybe he would even say Conan and I just heard but I heard Conan and I thought like oh he's going to role play Conan O'Brien like he's going to just put a ginger wig on and uh, talk about his sidekick Andy like I uh gee I uh <laughs> That's how I always picture Conan Bryant, And I love Conan Bryant. And I actually, this might not be popular either, but sometimes I actually find Conan, his uh, sense of humor makes him sexy, right? And so I kind of, for a split second, my brain was processing, and I was like, oh yeah, I'd throw on that red wig. And then I thought, no, that's not what he's saying. He meaning, like, <laughs> he means Conan the Barbarian. So, you know, sometimes you have to adjust your way of thinking. And that was an instance of it. Then we cut to Shannon and Heather. Heather says in at the sit down that her goal with Shannon is to get to a better place, and Shannon just responds with, "Hmm, okay," because Shannon's not interested. She fucking hates Heather. She does, and Heather, I think, also hates Shannon. But now Heather's on this weird island by herself, and although I despise the fact that she's flaunting her wealth in front of us, and it's very tough to watch, I do want Heather on the show, and so I'm worried. I'm worried about Heather being on this island alone. But Heather, look, she's she's clawing her way back. I don't think. I don't think Heather's going anywhere. But Heather orders an espresso martini, which, um, speaking of, did, has anyone had any of the Starbucks pumpkin stuff? I know I'm in fall mode, but I did have my first PSL of the season, and it was delicious. Sometimes I think it does taste just like chemicals. Like, it tastes like gasoline sometimes. But there's something, it's like a nice gasoline. Does anyone feel that way? Like, a PSL isn't always the greatest tasting, but the things that it does to me are make it worth it. Does that make sense? It's kind of like when you drink, when you're younger and you're drinking like cheap popov vodka in college. You're like, I don't like the taste of this, but it's doing something to me that I appreciate, AKA getting drunk. And so you just suffer through it. And that's kind of how I feel like I'm at with PSLs. And I've been looking online, like, there's people who go to these Starbucks places and they give like specialized recipes so there's ways to order like a PSL and they they add like a a pump of vanilla or they add some sort of cold cream and stuff and they create like custom Starbucks drinks so i've been looking online so if anyone has any recommendations of how to make the PSL which i will continue getting again i will continue drinking it despite the fact that it tastes like piss water I will continue getting it. But I'm just looking for a way to sort of like spice up the pumpkin spice latte. So if anyone has any recommendations, please send it along. And by the way, if you haven't tried the new apple croissant, it sounds like an ad I'm doing for Starbucks. I wish. I'm not. But the new apple croissant, I'm here for it. Anyway, Tamara was talking shit about Shannon at the beginning of the season. And so in this sit down between Heather and Shannon, Heather's like, yeah, guess what? Uh, Tamara has been talking a lot of shit. And then they show this whole flashback because Heather now throws Tamra under the bus and says she's been talking all this shit, and they do a flashback. And we see all this flashback footage of Tamara really kind of going in and, and saying shitty things about uh, Shannon. But I think that's what makes Tamra a good housewife. Is she is a shit-stirrer, and she will turn on anyone at any moment. And it's what's making, I believe, this season of The Real Housewives of Orange County good. So whether or not you like her, at least I think this season is good. I'm sorry to say it. I do believe that. You want to know what else? Actually, just while we're here, I just have to briefly touch on The Real Houses in New York. I know I don't cover every Bravo show, and so we're not covering full New York, but I am watching. And I do just briefly—I know people are loving it, which is fantastic. Great. But there was something that happened on the last episode of New York that just, I think, speaks to the overall housewives that we any housewife who's listening to this podcast, you need to be aware of— and that is this moment that happened on last week's New York episode where this woman, Erin, she comes into a wreath-making event. So they're all, all the gals are gathered together to make Christmas holiday wreaths. They're all sitting around, stuffing it with the pine cones or whatever. And then Erin comes in, she's got a, a chip on her shoulder, she's pissed. And meanwhile, one of this woman's sighs pissed because she went to Erin's event and there was no food or something. So Erin comes in, like, ready to fight, Right. And she tells Sy that she's pissed, and she tells Bryn, this other woman who was flirting with the husband at the engagement party, so she's pissed at her too. And so Aaron's coming in with all these grievances with these cast members, and she explains them, and then she's like, I'm done, I'm leaving. And she leaves, and not a single other person chased her out. Aaron had to go film a phone call with her sister, I believe, out on the streets of New York, because no one even followed her. And it seemed like nobody cared. And that's sort of my issue is that it's like, I know those women don't know each other, right? Like they just got to know each other. They were cast for this TV show. None of them knew each other. I don't think beforehand at all. If, if they did, maybe it was like they met one time or something, but we do need somebody chasing after her so that we can get this thing moving. It was like also, by the way, Aaron coming into that thing and having all these grievances, it was like nobody even reacted to it. It was like Aaron was saying they were like giving her, Oh, what's that? Uh, an alley oop, or what's that sports term? God, I sound like such an idiot. But you know, <laughs> they were giving her like a, uh, they were helping her. Oh, they were, she was literally coming into the scene ready to have conflict and resolution. And nobody was interested in conflict or resolution. And then she just storms out. I'm like, what is going on? And then the episode just ends. And I'm like, what is that? That's terrible housewifery. The Housewives, you need to engage. Somebody needs to chase her out and try to drag her back in. Also, by the way, Erin shouldn't just be leaving this group event. If she's pissed, she should have been staying there. It just felt like it all was just like, okay, we're building up to nothing. And so I just – and good, their first season housewives, of course, of course that's what's going to happen. They're trying to get their bearings. But I just would encourage them for coming on season two when they're back in business uh, we just want them to be aware of that. Just want them to be aware of it. Also, I do not believe Jenna Lyons wants to be on that show at all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love Brynn. Okay. Uh Then we see, what else? We're at the pumpkin patch. Do we do the pumpkin patch? Oh, uh, Shannon and Heather, they agree to sort of, Heather tries to squeak out a tear, and then uh she she is called out by Shannon. Shannon says, maybe you could put this lunch on your IMDb. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. Shannon really won me over with that line. Said, Maybe you could put this lunch on your IMDb. Ugh, I loved it. Then we cut to Heather. Uh, shes They're all getting ready for this pumpkin patch. And as if I wasn't already so mad at Heather DeBro, she says something as she's getting ready for the pumpkin patch event. And she says, let's hope I don't look like I'm from Pennsylvania. Shut up! Now, I'm from Ohio. I don't like anyone insulting Midwest, okay? I do not want anyone saying a goddamn negative word about the Midwest. And I, look, maybe I heard it wrong. Did she say that? Maybe she said something else. But I wrote down in my notes as Heather DeBro saying, let's hope I don't look like I'm from Pennsylvania. Anyway, Teddy, Teddy Joe Mellencamp. She does call Tamara on the way to the pumpkin patch and says, look, Tamara, I know you weren't on the podcast. They do that two teas in a pot. She says, I know you weren't on the podcast today, but I talk shit about Heather DeBro. And I just wanted you to be a heads up about it. Now, I do think this is Tamara and Teddy's way of getting their podcast on the program, featured on the program. So I feel like they texted each other and Tamara's like, uh, call me while I'm going to be in the car with the camera crew. And we could talk about this. And that's very smart. That's very smart. So I just want to shout out that. So they got that podcast featured on the show. And then at the pumpkin patch, I was living. I was so happy that Taylor Armstrong invited everyone to this pumpkin patch. It just made me... uh, they had. They were serving apple cider cinnamon margaritas in champagne. Which, the apple cider cinnamon margaritas, I, I had never heard about that before. I, I've never heard of a apple cider cinnamon margarita in my whole life. And I was like, I need that immediately. Immediately. Uh, Matt, get the apple cider cinnamon margs. I need it ready. Because after I'm done recording here, I'm going to have one for the first time because it sounds so good to me. It sounds so festive and fall and autumnal. I'm obsessed with it. Now, everyone's there except for Shannon. Shannon shows up late. Casita's like, I'm not waiting for Shannon. I'm going to pick out a pumpkin. I'm going to pick out a pumpkin, Casita says. And then, <laughs> and then uh, now, I did talk about Heather picking out her outfit. And Hip does make fun of her sock hop shoes. So that that actually made me feel good because Hip's from the West, And so I appreciated that Hip was calling out them shoes. Because I thought, you know, somebody needs to give Heather some business. And so leave it up to my Midwest queen, Ohio queen hip coming in hot with the insulted Heather, just when we needed it most. So Heather, I know hip is going to be there defending the Midwest and I appreciate that. So God bless our, our, Ohio queen hip for calling out them, uh, them shoes, them sock hop shoes. Anyway, Tamara does lie to Gina because Gina brings up the CPS situation and Tamara's like, I didn't even know, I didn't even know she said that. Meanwhile, they flash back to some footage of Tamara in the car remembering it. And then we see the footage from the event of Tamara sitting there and explaining it to Jen. And so I really appreciated uh, Tamara just saying she don't remember something because she's just giving us very messy TV this season. Very messy. All over. Actually, in fact, Tamara's all over the place this season. She remembers some things. She remembers other things differently. She, whatever is serving the storyline is what Tamara's going to do. So Tamara, I think, is sitting there thinking, no, this fight should be about them. I'm going to pretend I don't remember. And so she's playing chess. Well, we're all playing checkers. or The other gals are playing checkers. And so I'm appreciative of her being just a complete mess, not remembering anything. She's getting drunk a lot. She's, just, she's being really messy this season. Messier than normal, actually, from what I remember of Tamara. Now, there is a woman there, Marshall, who's teaching them how to carve the pumpkins. She says, put a hole in the bottom. And they're all acting like they never heard this before. If you're going to carve a pumpkin, that's what you do. You Yes, you can do a, a hole at the top. You can cut out the the topper. But it's also best to do it from the bottom, and then you put the candle underneath it, right? But they were all acting like this was brand new news. They were like, what? And they did some really horrific jack lantern work. Very horrific jack lantern work. I mean, it, they showed some of those, and I was like, what's going on? Heather, she's like, oh, I did a champs thing with bubbles. And it was just like one giant exclamation point or dildo, she called it or something. It was like, does no one know how to work a pumpkin and a knife? I'm not saying I'm an expert. I actually do a terrible pumpkin carving. But these were some of the worst I've ever seen. I mean, what was happening? And I would like them to do a lineup. Did they take a photo of that? Because I only saw a couple of them. And I know they called it out on air. But it just seems like I could use a still frame of all those fucking jack-o'-lanterns at the end of it. Because what was happening there? I mean, did they? they had a whole person teaching them how to do it. They had this Marshall person and what Marshall must have thought by the end of this. And I think Shannon at one point when she was taking out the guts of the pumpkin, she asked this Marshall woman, she's like, "Oh, are you going to roast these seeds? And Marshall's like, fuck no. Like I'm not (laughs) Marshall's like, I'm just here to tell you how to carve the pumpkin with a knife. Like I'm not Shannon thought she was going to like dig through the seeds and put them in the oven. Like who the fuck do you think this person is? I mean, uh, Marshall's just there to show you how to work the fucking knife at the place. She don't got an oven there. And meanwhile, they're outdoors. Like, where's Marshall supposed to take us? Pumpkin seeds to make. What does Shannon want her to make a goddamn pie? Like, what is happening? You think Marshall's just going to take all them seeds and do something with it. I mean, she's not Rachel Ray. Like, what do you want her to make? I just couldn't believe it. Anyway, then Shannon, Shannon was kind of on the, on the brim, as they say, as, uh, Brittany from Vanderpump rules. I am on the brim. Shannon was on the brim because she does have this panic attack. And, but, I, this might be a controversial hot take, but should maybe Shannon not do reality TV? Just as from a health perspective, it seems maybe that it's not good for you if you're getting panic attacks on camera because people are talking about your significant other who doesn't want to be on camera and you don't want them to be on camera or your relationship on camera, even though this is a docu-series about your life. And perhaps that is a sign, a little sign from the heavens up above, that maybe she shouldn't be on reality television. I'm sorry to say that. I don't want her to leave reality TV. I just feel like maybe it's not the best thing for her. If you're having a panic attack at a jack-o'-lantern party, and everyone else is just trying to carve a jack-o'-lantern and have an apple cider a cinnamon marg, and you're having a panic attack, it's like maybe that's a sign from the up above the heavens. Our dear, our dear God and Savior Mariah Carey is trying to tell you That maybe you shouldn't do reality TV. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, But Tamara, they do start talking about Travis's, um, or I'm sorry, they start talking about all the men's penises.
0: I like dick.
1: And it's revealed that it seems to me that most of the cast of men on this show, they don't have nice penises, I suppose. Tamara said there was this moment where Shannon talked about Travis's big penis But so I guess the big penis comment was like actually a dig because his penis is small or something. Maybe I'm misreading this. But Gina does say in her confessional that the penis is, quote, fine. She says it's a lovely size, which is her way of saying, yeah, it's a very small penis. Like, of course, that's her way of saying she's not going to come out on camera and just be like, yeah, it's really like a micro penis. But she does say it in her own way, which is in describing the penis. She says it's fine. Fine. It's a lovely size, she says. And uh, hip does say that Shane's got a big penis. Shut up. God bless him. God bless him. Then Shannon and Casita do agree to stop talking about each other. Then we do see the gals go indoors for the pumpkin party. Tamara brings up the podcast and the stage paparazzi photos and Heather loses it. She's like, how dare you? Tamara's like, it was taken by a professional camera. And Heather is now turning on Tamara. She's like, there's no paparazzi at Disneyland, Tamara says to her. And Heather's like, you're being, you know, Heather's like trying to laugh it off, but she's not that good of an actress. So it's very clearly bothering her, even though she's an actress by trade. She is very clearly bothered by Tamara saying that you had paparazzi photos at Disneyland when you two were snuggled up against each other at the park entrance where everyone else is in line to get a goddamn corn dog, And you're blocking the line because you got a paparazzi photo here, uh, a photo shoot happening. People are trying to get through the park. They're trying to get to It's a Small World. They're trying to get the corn dog. They are trying to do it all at Disneyland. They do not need you in the way, snuggled up with Terry, uh, snuggling up with the Star of Botched, because you need the rumor mill uh, to pretend like your relationship is all hunky-dory. And so Tamara calls it out. And it's about time somebody calls it out, because it's crazy, these paparazzi photos. But Heather refuses to tell them about the house sale, because she's like, none of these people care about me. And it's true, they all do not like her. But um, it does lead us into this conversation about real estate, because Gina now passed her online courses. That's right, Casita's going to be out and about selling houses.
0: I want to be
1: She's going to be She's gonna be real, in the shit. Put her on Selling the O.C. Put her on... Oh, which, by the way, that show's coming back. Selling the O.C. You know I love that show. Ah, oh, I love that show. I saw a trailer. It looked fantastic. By the way, there's a trailer for a new Meg Ryan rom-com that's just uh, out now, and I cannot wait to see this movie. Ah, oh, I cannot wait. Meg Ryan is back in a rom-com that she wrote, co-wrote, and directed, and starring with David Duchovny, who I love. And if you don't know David Duchovny's romantic work, please go see Return to Me, which was written and directed by Bonnie Hunt, Queen, an icon and a legend. And he's back on screen with Meg Ryan. And it's like a snowy rom-com where they're snowed in an airport. And I cannot wait. I'm so excited for the return of Meg Ryan. You know, I love her so much. So I just have to shout that out. Go watch the trailer. It's coming in October. I cannot wait. It literally going to be my most anticipated film of the year. I'm so excited for Meg Ryan to come back to us. Thank God. Okay, so what did I say? Gina passed the online course for her real estate license. Good. Oh, uh, Heather is also launching this Fireside, and Gina brings it up. She's like, let me do this. Okay, so Heather is doing something called Fireside, which I guess is like a, I don't know even what it is. It's some sort of, I don't want to say like a TV network, but it's like an online TV network or something, I don't think it really took off. I remember it sort of wanting to be a thing. Remember that app called Clubhouse that was around for a while, and then people just got off it. Which I feel like is what's happening with that Threads app. Does anyone go on Threads? And like, it was sort of a Twitter alternative that everyone signed up for, and now I feel like nobody's on Threads. Are people doing the Threads? I, it's too much to keep up with. I can barely keep up with the Instagram and the, and now you got to be on TikTok and Facebook and oh my god. And I'm still on the Twitter. I don't know if people are still there or not, but I'm there. I'm just posting in the void. Uh, Anyway, there was this new Fireside thing that Heather was like launching. So Casita brings it up. But the way she said it, she had the extreme vocal fry. So she's like, what about you, Heather? What about Fireside? (laughs) (laughs) Casita's had this... This vocal fry thing that just kicks in at random. Because otherwise, it's like, What are you doing? What's going on with the fireside? Otherwise, it's like that voice. But then occasionally, she's like, Fireside. It sounds like a long burp or something. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I don't know what's going on with the fireside, though. But apparently, she's launching something. And as she was talking about it, Heather also said the word cotillion. Did you hear that at the – she was talking to the whole group, and she's like, oh, it's like Cotillion or something. And none of them at the table knew the word Cotillion. It was like – and the only reason I know it is because of the OC, right? I was raised with the OC, the TV show, not the town. Remember with uh, Marissa and Ryan and Seth, and remember we all hated that Oliver, that motherfucker Oliver. Anyway, uh, she – I was raised in that, and I remember they did like a Cotillion episode, right? Where Marissa Cooper and Summer, they're getting ready for the Cotillion. And so I knew that word from that, but Heather brought it up in casual conversation. Everyone just looked at her like they had seen a ghost. It was like the ghost, a ghost had just appeared at the table and maybe it did. And that was what they all zoned out for. But as soon as Heather said the word cotillion, it was like they all saw fucking Casper. They, they were Nicole Kidman in that movie where she's a ghost. The others <laughs> remember that movie. That was what they were all looking around. Like they just, it was the end of the others. And they're like, wait, it was, were we ghosts the whole time? You know, that movie, Wasn't that a twist? I don't remember exactly. But there was something about ghosts. And I do feel like they saw a ghost. That's my truth. That's my truth. Uh, So Shannon leaves the event. Gina suggests that Shannon needs to... This isn't her confessional. Casita suggests that Shannon needs to check into rehab. That's a big accusation. That is a big accusation. That's a huge accusation. And you know that's going to come up. Shannon's not going to take kindly to that. Whether it be next week or in the reunion that's coming up, you know Shannon's not going to sit well with that, that accusation on camera. And so we're just going to have to wait and see. Have to wait and see. They end with talking about John's penis. And then it's like, next time. <laughs> that was so funny to me. They're like, talking about John's penis. Like, what do you think of John's penis is like? And then all of a sudden the episode's end. and it's like, next time on The Real Houses of Orange County, and it's like that chipper one of the one of the women doing voiceover in a real chipper voice. It's like John's got a small dick. Next time on the Real Houses of Orange County. And like, <laughs> I loved it. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so, luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that Now, next week, we have hip-shading Heather's initials, which she's done a few times. She keeps talking shit about Heather's initialing, uh, which I got to side with Heather on that one. I do like a monogrammed thing. I do. I'm here for the monogram. I think it's important. And so I'm going to stick up for Miss Dubrow. Although she's egregiously flaunting her wealth and her acting skills, which are not up to par on this program this season, I still support her in terms of initialing. And monogramming, I do. Then we see Jen's mom. Uh, There's the house sale. They go to Mexico. They all confront Heather. And then there's some BravoCon drama that comes up just in time for the next BravoCon, which is coming up in just a couple months, in Las Vegas, which I can't wait. It's going to be November 1st or 2nd, or that first weekend in November, BravoCon. And in I love Vegas anyway. I'm so glad they're doing Vegas. Not that I don't love New York. Love New York. But Vegas, to me... Is just a, it's just a—it's adult Disneyland. We talked a lot about Disneyland, and I'm going to take some Heather and Terry uh, paparazzi photos as soon as I get to Vegas for that adult Disneyland party that is going to be BravoCon 2023. And who wants to pose with me? I'm going to be. Let's get in the lobby of Caesar's Palace. As people are trying to check in. Let's just do paparazzi photos like Heather and Terry DeBrow. Let's do it. <laughs> Anyway, I do believe that they're showing the BravoCon drama on the Real House of Orange County to drum up interest. I think normally they would maybe cut that stuff because it's too kind of behind the scenes y, but it does actually make sense because not only is it a good ad for BravoCon, but it's also good for the show for the Real House of Orange County because it's interesting conflict. And I think it also leads people to believe like, if I go, to, I'm thinking, I'm sitting here watching this, I'm thinking, if I go to BravoCon, there could be this drama that happens there that comes up on these shows. It's like another incentive for Bravo fans to head on over to BravoCon. So, look, I'm excited. Then, that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the show. We're going to be covering The Real Houses of Salt Lake City, so stay tuned. The premiere is coming up, I believe, next week, and I don't know how we're going to do it going forward. Like I always say, I like to cover like two shows. That's my ideal sweet spot. So I think we're going to be covering Salt Lake City. And then, of course, we're finishing up Orange County. And then we'll move into either, I don't know what's coming next. Maybe Potomac's coming up, Beverly Hills. We'll see what's happening as we're coming up to it. But for now, uh just know that Salt Lake City, we will be covering either on uh, an episode alongside the Real Houses of Orange County or a separate episode of the week, but we're going to figure that out as it comes. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you want to hear the Sex and the City recaps, I'm recapping Sex and the City from the beginning over on the Patreon page. So it's patreon.com slash everything iconic. And if you donate $4 or more per month, you get access to those bonus episodes. And I do just one a month. More importantly, the money helps to support this podcast. So thank you all for the support. So it's just one recap a month of those episodes, but we're already on season three. So if you want to go back and listen to those, you have access to all of them if you sign up for the Patreon. And uh, you can also support me by pre-ordering my book. It's a huge, huge help and support by pre-ordering The Jolliest Bunch, which is out October 24th. And it's really good. It's really great. The hardcover has these fantastic photos in it. And the audiobook I just recorded, so if you prefer that method, I I did the narration for it. And so uh, it would really just mean the world to me if you pre-ordered The Jolliest Bunch, because it also helps get the book into more stores, and uh, it encourages the publisher. That's why pre-orders are so important. It encourages the publisher and everyone on behind the scenes to really help sell the book and push the book. Love you all so much for listening. I'm sorry for all that promo. Uh, we'll talk soon.
0: Bye-bye.